a privilege and an honor, and I really appreciate uh, Pastor Tim's graciousness to allow me to fill in for him a little bit. Um, if you're like me, you would love to see God's power move, like we read about in here, his signs and wonders and all the miracles. We want to see this, don't we? But the problem is our hearts are full of bitterness and unforgiveness, offense and anger, and those things limit what he can do. Our world is becoming more and more ugly and nasty, and we are following right along with them and acting the same way. We're the people of God that has been forgiven. And unfortunately, many times we're known for being gossipy and strife and bitterness at each other. And these things shouldn't be. And so tonight we're going to talk about the subject of forgiveness. And turn with me to Matthew 18. We're going to start in verse 21 in Matthew 18. And um, it says, Peter then came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me that I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, Peter thought he was being really gracious because rabbinical law only required you to forgive three times. So Peter thought if he was telling Jesus, well, seven, I'll be gracious and Jesus will be really happy with me. And uh, Jesus looks at him and he just says, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Blew Peter's mind. And it wasn't the concept that Peter was going to go, okay, I've forgiven him 300 times, now I only have to do 190 more. But the idea was he was showing him that God's standard was infinity, was non-ending. Blew Peter out of the water. And so that's why Jesus then says, well, let me give you a parable to explain what I'm talking about. So she says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought before him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, the commentators say that a talent, one talent was equal to 6,000 denarii, and, and it would take a working man over 20 years to, owe, to earn one talent. And this guy owed 10,000. So it would have been lifetimes upon lifetimes upon lifetimes. Other commentators talk about in the Old Testament where they use talent as a measurement for precious metals, whether it could be gold or silver or other precious metals. And if that was the case, then the value of that would have been hundreds of millions to a billion dollars, depending on which metal it was. So the point showing the huge debt unending debt that could never be paid, which is our debt. Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him, forgiving us all of our trespasses by canceling the the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. You see, the law was against all of us and required our death. 
And Jesus took that and nailed that to the cross of all that we owed, which was unending, unending amounts. And he nailed it freely to the cross for us to forgive us. We're going to go back to Matthew now. So Matthew 18 again, we'll finish this up. So after being forgiven, so the servant fell on his knees imploring him to have patience with him. I'll pay you everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> like we could ever pay God back, like anybody could ever pay all these debts. But, when they, but he forgave him. So when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, denarii was a one-day wage for a, a laborer. So 100 denarii was close to a quarter of his salary for the year. So if that's pretty about a lot of money, for us today, it would be, for depending on your annual wages, whether it's 13 grand or 17 grand, that's a good amount of money that they owed. And so the Lord's not saying that things haven't happened and people don't owe us things, but he's saying, compare it. What is 17 to billion? The worst that anybody can do to you is 17 grand compared to the billion that you owe. We have to remember that and keep that in perspective. So when Fellow's fervent then fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. But he refused and threw him into prison until he could pay his debt. The fellow servants saw this and took it with great distress and reported it to the master, telling him what took place. And the master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you have not had mercy on your fellow servants as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all his debt. The English Standard Version says jailers. King James says the tormentors. The NIV says the jailers, they torment. The idea was they were delivered to the torturers because back in that time, debtor's prison, you got tortured the whole time you were there. And so they were being delivered. He was going to be delivered to the torturers for how long? Till he could pay back, which meant the rest of his life he was going to be tortured because he was unwilling to forgive. And then he says, so also my heavenly father will do it with every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. See, the tortures come in our lives. Tortures can be sickness. Many doctors talk about how cancers and, and arthritis and other types of gut diseases come from bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness. Those are part of the tortures. The bitterness that comes up Hebrews says, don't allow a root of bitterness to grow up in your defile many. When we allow bitterness to grow in our heart, we defile the people around us. And it becomes a torture to them and to us. Isolation. We build our walls around ourselves to protect ourselves. And then we become imprisoned by them. Because the tortures of the demonic that come into our lives to destroy us. When we are unforgiving and we don't let go of things. And his standard is to forgive from the heart, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Now let's talk about anger. 
because it rose right along with that. Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. We talk a lot about don't look at a woman lustfully. You've already considered adultery in their heart, but we don't ever talk about anger because Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount too. And in verse 21 to 22, he talks about, he says, you've heard it say to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. But I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults, other version talks about, says, as you call your brother Raka, which was an insult, which meaning empty head or, or utter, utter contempt for them. His brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says you fool will be liable the, of, the hell, of hell. You see, Jesus knew what anger comes to. He knew that murder starts in anger. He knew that destruction starts with anger. He knew those were things that we should not be holding on to or okaying. That's why he talked about it. Ephesians 4, verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. It's not that we're, he create, we're like him. We're going to get angry at injustice. But we're not to sin in our anger. So be angry and sin not. And do not let the sun go down in your anger. Look at how anger is like food. If you keep it too long, it's going to spoil. Then it's going to smell. Then it's going to rot. And then everything around it will rot. You ever seen that? That's how anger is because God never meant for us to be able to hold it. He can hold it because he is righteous. But when we have situations where we see injustice and we get angry, we're going to have anger, but then we need to surrender to him. Let him take care of it. Let him do it and let him work in us. But we can't carry it. Our world operates in anger and bitterness and hate. We can see it all the time. And we're not supposed to be like that. Because our world looks to anger to power them to, to, to do things. They're motivated by anger. And we're not supposed to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says that Though we are in the world, we do not wage war like the world does. Starting with verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Our world around us is operating in anger and ugliness. And that's how they're getting things done. They're intimidating people. They're screaming. They're bewed forth venom. And we're doing the same thing. We're acting just like them. And the Lord's saying that for our weapons or our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We've got the power, but the power is not in anger and rage and bitterness. That's the devil's operation. God's operation is love. And love isn't passive, folks. The church has changed the whole world, operating in love by overcoming evil with good, but not operating in the world's ways. 
not going it the way they do, but by his love, we've over, we can overcome. We've changed the world by his love. Love is power. It is not wimpy. We have resorted to the devil's ways of bitterness and ugly. And that's where he has power. And it's not to be. It's not to be. He wants to move. He wants to move desperately. But he has to move in us and do the work. He has to do the work. So a lot of times in church, we do a big, big dis, dis, just, injustice. We tell people to do things, but we never tell them how. So tonight, I'm going to tell you how. How we forgive. How I learned. So when I was in my late 20s, I was a campus pastor in Western Michigan University, and the Lord came to me and pressed upon me that he wanted me to forgive a family member that had greatly sinned against me. And being the spiritual man that I was, I was like, I don't hear that. La, 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 la. I don't want to hear this. And which is what we do. We don't like to hear certain things. And so we push them away or we go off and do something else. And the Lord being patient said, I want you to forgive this family member. I was like, oh. You see, this family member started molesting me when I was 10. And that went on for three and a half to four years. It almost destroyed my life. And I hated him. Yes, I had the green Christian veneer on and I looked all wonderful and I could smile and everything, but I hated him. And I liked hating him. It felt good. It was my revenge. And when the Lord said, I want you to give that up, I didn't want to give that up. We had a wrestling match. And you know who won? The Lord. <laughs> so... So then I did the good Christian thing. I said, sure, yeah, I'll forgive him. I didn't. I got the words. I said, yeah, I'll put on the nice face, and I'll be, yeah, I'll forgive him. So I'll say the words, which is what we do. Get him off my back. So he stepped back, and he waited. Because time was on his side. I was like, okay, I got him off my back. So then Christmas rolled around. Time to be with the family. And I almost got into a fist fight with this individual. Here I am, the preacher, in a, in a whole family, hardly any of them saved, and I almost get into a fist fight. I'm like, oh boy. Oh, Lord Jesus. So I crawl back home. The Lord's just waiting for me. So? I'm like, oh, you win. But Lord, I don't know how. You see, forgiveness is a process. And that process starts with a willingness to say, Lord, okay, I will obey you. Show me how to do this because I can't. I can't forgive them. I can't let this go. And he can work with that. 
And so I said, okay. And then he started to heal me and started to work. And that healing took a long time to put things back together. But he started that healing and he started working me through that process once I said, okay, I will do this. You see, I had allowed anger and bitterness to be my protection, thinking it was my protection. When it, all it was was a prison that kept the pain in. And it kept all the good people out, but all the abusive people always made their way in. And so it never protected me for anything at all. And so one of the things with forgiveness is when you forgive, you're let go of it. You're not going to get payment back. You end up with the consequences. You end up with the bag. Because that's the way it works, forgiveness. You're releasing them. You're releasing their debt. You're releasing revenge. You're releasing all of that. And you end up with the bag. But the good thing about the Lord is that you can give the bag to him. And then he can work and make something out of it. You see, he, he says that in Romans chapter 12, he says, Repay not one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable to all. If possible, as far as depend on you, live peacefully. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay them, says the Lord. We leave the vengeance to him. We leave the making right to him. We leave it all to him. And we trust him to take care of that. And we say, okay, Lord, I have all the consequences. I'm going to surrender them to you that you might work this out. And Romans 8.28 says he works for the good, even of the worst things, if we will let him. If we will let him work, if we will let him do the things in our lives, he will work even the worst situations out for good. I can't tell you the number of people that I've been able to help from my background, from the things that I've gone through and had to work through. People who come to me and they say, I can't believe you're putting into words what I've experienced I can't believe that you've gone on the other side and can know the hope. Because I wouldn't have, have chosen that route. But our Lord was able to take something out of something ugly and make something good out of it and use it for many, many people and redeem it as only he can. And turn around and, and, and people give testimony to him because they're like, what in the world? But he can change. He can change, and that's what our world needs to see, and that's why our world doesn't need to see us running around in bitterness and ugliness like they are, because we have a hope and we've been forgiven. So forgiving doesn't mean I say that it's okay. It isn't saying what they did was okay. But I've released it to the Lord. He is the one that avenges and he's the one that takes care of it. He's the one, he's the, he's the judge, not me. So why let it go? There's a teaching in the church, unfortunately, that says you only have to forgive people if they ask for forgiveness. Not in here. Not in here, folks. Luke 23, 34 
on the cross dying, Jesus says, forgive them, Master, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Were those people repentant? No, they were cheering for his death. They were crying for his blood. They were excited. They were spitting on him. And he said, forgive them. They know not what they do. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. It says, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous, though perhaps for a good person one might dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till you asked forgiveness to get on the cross. He laid out and extended forgiveness to you at your worst state. He extended forgiveness to you. He died on a cross and made a way for you. Didn't, not waiting for you to ask forgiveness. He extended it to you in his grace. Colossians 3, 13. Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. That is the standard. We are to forgive as we've been forgiven. That's what the parable is trying to say. Look all that you were forgiven, and then you hold a little bit that somebody else owes you. You forgive as I have forgiven. Forgiveness is not the same thing as trusting. Because I forgive you doesn't mean I trust you. I've had lots of abusive people in my life, and they tried to play that game. Well, you forgave me, now I get to come back in your life. No, you don't. I'm not stupid. If they don't change, I, I forgive them, but I'm not letting them come back to destroy me again. Forgiveness and trust are two different things. Just because I forgive you doesn't mean I trust you. When, when I got saved at 14, the Lord empowered me and enabled me to say no to my brother's sexual advances. And it ended the relationship, the sexual part of it. But he hated me and never said another kind word to me, mocked me. Fast forward to when I was late 20s and the Lord was asking me to forgive. That's the kind of situation he asked me to forgive. Someone who hated me, who mocked me, wasn't the least bit repentant. That's what I was called to forgive. And he can do it. I couldn't. The test of forgiveness is Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, where Jesus says, But I say to you, you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he is the Son, rise on the evil and on the good, 
and the sons of the rain on the just and the unjust. You see, forgiveness means my heart changes when I've forgiven. Saul tried to destroy David in the Old Testament. He hated David. He was envious of David. He stole David's wife. He removed him from his position and made him a renegade and tried to kill him. And everybody wanted David to strike back in vengeance. But David wouldn't do it. When Saul died, David genuinely wept because God had changed his heart. He was not in a vengeance anymore. He did not delight that Saul went down. He was broken. And he did good to Saul's family because God had changed his heart and he had compassion for this man who wanted to destroy him. And that's what forgiving from the heart is. If you say you forgive somebody and you see them and you brew, you haven't forgiven them. If you see their name and you go off, you haven't forgiven them. If they still owe you something, you haven't forgiven them. God says we have to forgive from the heart. You see, as the Lord kept healing me and changing me, I could forgive deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to where I wanted good for him, my family member. I wanted good for him. I wanted, I would plead with the Lord not to give him the consequences that he deserved because God changed my heart and he filled me with compassion and love and mercy. Does that mean we have to reconcile to these people? No, 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 we don't. But if they change, then we are willing to allow them to earn our trust again. If they start to change. If they don't change, then no. They're still out there. I, they haven't been there no different. And so as the years went by, and as I continued to forgive the family member, and I continued to allow the Lord to change me, he got saved. It's like, wow. <laughs> so, so here I am, the older Christian, you know, um, had been in the Lord longer, and the Lord was just like, okay, you're the, you're the greater Christian. It's time for you to build bridges to him. He's changed. So I showed him how to have a devotional and read the word. And we started, started building bridges to him and started talking to him and, and relating to him and interacting with him because that's what the Lord wanted me to do. Now, of course, if he hadn't changed, none of that would have happened. But he had changed and the Lord called me to build bridge to him of his grace and kindness that I would actually have input in his life, that I would actually be a cheerleader in his life, that I would actually help him grow in the Lord, that I would actually be a representative of Christ to him. People say, well, Craig, did he ever ask forgiveness? Did he ever own up? 
20 years from when I started the process to where I ever heard a, forgive, a, a confession at all. 20 years. But you see, at that point, it didn't matter because I had let go of all the bitterness. I had let go of the desire to have revenge. I had let go of any of the hate. I had let go. I wanted good for him. So when he came to me with tears in his eyes, all I could do was say, I thank you for saying that, but I'm okay. He's healed me and he's changed me. And my heart had nothing but compassion. My heart had nothing but mercy. Because the Lord had changed that. And we are friends today. God uses me in his life. And he's even started to be a little impact in mine. <laughs> but that's what the Lord wants and that's what the Lord can do. It doesn't matter the situation. Because that's what our God is about. And that's what we as the people of God have got to be about. Because our world is certainly not about it. And they need us to show that love of Christ. Because the love of Christ is what's power. And the love of Christ is what changes. And the love of Christ it does things that we can't do. And if people ask me, how did you forgive? I'd say only God because there's no way I could have forgiven. I couldn't have healed myself. I couldn't have changed myself. And I could not have forgiven. But the Lord could. And he could change anyone. And he could redeem such an ugly situation. If I hadn't come to Christ, I fear of where I would have been because I was heading down such an ugly path. But Christ snatched me out of that and changed me and changed what the devil would have loved to have done with my life, with all that had happened. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Helps if I'm in the right book. Okay. Okay. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now, I know this is a hard word. I wasn't excited to be giving this when the Lord put it on my heart. But he is reaching out to us in his grace because he knows the tormentors that are in our lives when we don't forgive. And he doesn't want to continue to see the demonic have its rule in your heart. Because when you allow sin in your heart, you give, the, you give room to the devil to do his work. 
and he will destroy. When we build our walls to protect ourselves from everyone else, we're pushing God out and we're imprisoning ourselves. When we hold the bitterness in our heart, it flews out and defiles us and everyone else. When we allow offense towards others in the church, we are destroying ourselves. When we harbor anger, it, it eats away. And the Lord wants to clean our hearts out and purify us and heal us and make us those lights and examples that we can be. And that's why he challenges us like this. And so we're going to make time tonight for you to come forth if the Lord has been speaking to you about things, to make right, to begin your own forgiveness process, to begin. If the Lord's putting his finger on things, deal with it. Let him work. Don't try and save face. Lay your feet down. Come to him and say, Lord, do this in me. Because we're going to take time to let the Lord work on us. We're, going to, we've, we're in no hurry, folks. It's only quarter after seven. We have no rush. If the Lord is putting his finger on anything, let him work. Let him do. So we're going to give some time for that.